You're listening to Get Out and Drive Podcast with John Custom Car Nerd Meyer and Sean Mr. Sedan Man Cheryl. We'll be bringing you gearheads all the information you never wanted to know about cars and why they should be on the road and not in your garage. Are you ready to get out and drive? We want you to sign up for National Get Out and Drive Day 2021. Head over to getoutanddrive.com to get the link and sign up to receive your free official event decal while supplies last. Don't forget to snag one of the official 2021 event t-shirts while you're there. Join us and others in the U.S. and across the globe as we get out and drive on October 3rd to show our support for National Get Out and Drive Day. Hey, we're back with another episode of Get Out and Drive podcast. I'm Sean, Mr. Sedam and Cheryl. I'm John, custom car nerd, Meyer. You know, John, when we was younger, uh, I don't know, two, three, 30 years ago. Right. You know, we used to get out and uh, slide around in our cars, find some old gravel lot and slide around or, you know, just be stupid. I remember learning how to drive in the snow doing that. Yeah, definitely in the snow, doing donuts and stuff. Who knew several years later, people would learn how to control that way better than we did. Well, certainly more, a lot better than I can. And make a sport out of it. Uh, drifting. Uh-huh. And today we have Matt Haugen of Haugen Racing with us. How are you doing today, Matt? Hey, Matt. Good. How are you guys? Doing, doing good. well. So drifting, what, what is it about drifting you like? Oh, man. So uh, when I, I was like, I, I mean, I was like you guys and like everybody else that's into cars. Like I was into cars since I was like three years old. There's like a, there's like this photo my dad has where I had a cowboy hat on and I was in uh, a diaper and I was trying to take the wheel off of his Corvette. Like why? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, but I was never, I didn't come from like a racing or drifting family. Um, and to me, the introduction to drifting was fast and furious Tokyo drift, which I think um, is that way for a lot of people in the United States. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I just thought it was cool. I was like, I don't know if I'd ever, I mean, I wanted to do it, but I, not coming from a racing family, it's, it's so distant, you know, like um, if you would ask your parents, like, I want to go drifting, they're like, get a video game or we'll get you like a, a simulator, <laughs> or something, you know, like it's, it's, it's so distant. But when I was 21, um, I got a Genesis coupe and kind of started tuning that up. Um, and it was, you know, just kind of like a little street car. I rip around. I went really a little bit of street racing, not, nothing too crazy, but I think my parents kind of saw that and they saw that I did. I wanted to try racing of some sort. And so I went to Bondurant racing school um, and did a couple classes there and actually took it. Uh, I went, started doing some track days and actually took the racing school all the way to like advanced four day class. So then I had like my NASA license and stuff. So I was like, I got pretty like into it. Um, and I loved it. And, and on that last class, um, I asked one of the guys there who he was drifting and I, and I was kind of like aware of it, but I hadn't really tried it. And I was like, you know, what would, what would you choose? Um, if you're going to pursue one or the other, he's like, well, dr- he, he thought drifting was like the most fun way around the corner. And I kind of, I, I agreed with that and started pursuing it. And I was still doing a little bit of racing, but like the drifting is just, like racing it, it's so organized and i love organization trust me but it's so organized and there's so many rules and the, as a car person i always appreciated like nascar and formula one and all that kind of stuff but all the cars are, are so similar and they look the same i mean the only like 
customization because like some people are racers and then other people are like car builders and I'm definitely both like I love building cars I had, I had seven cars in SEMA show and like I'm really into that as well and so with racing like um a lot of the racing let's say I mean like I'm, as I say that I'm thinking like drag racing guys get pretty cool with the cars and stuff but like NASCAR Formula One right the cars just have different colors and so with drifting what's really cool is there's so much freedom in the car builds um, and the style you can do and all that. And then the sport itself is really, it's not, it's not a race, first of all, but it, besides it being a competition, it's also an exhibition and a show. And it's very entertaining to watch, even if you don't really know much about it. And even if you don't know who's, you know, the best or who's winning. And so for me, that makes it really fun to participate in too, because I, I like that whole aspect. So so what what exactly and I, I don't wanna just ask you what the what's the point of drifting, but what what is the idea behind drifting? I mean what you said it's not a competition. If somebody that doesn't like me that don't know much about drifting, what would you tell them drifting? Yeah, talk really us is? through that. Like like how do you score points or how does uh how does any of that schedule how does it set up? I mean explain explain to our listeners. Yeah, so drifting um I like to say it's, it's judged kind of like figure skating where it's, you know, off of it's, it's off of line angle and style. And so there's no, there's no timing. Um, and then there's no like sensors or anything. They have done sensors um, in some scoring. And I think that would be really cool to include, but generally at this point, like take formula drift as kind of the, the model. A lot of people, um, will take their kind of judging and, and play with it a little bit, but they go off of line angle and style. And so they have a judge for each one. So before the competition starts, we'll have a driver's meeting and the judges will, will have a track map and they'll say, this is where we want you on track. And so they'll have what they call outer zones, touch and goes inner clips. Um, and so they basically are telling you where to put your rear bumper and front bumper of the car on track. And so if you do that, perfectly then that'd be a hundred point you know line um then the angle judge is looking because we're drifting we're going sideways right um and so you could be you know slightly sideways or like really sideways and so the angle judge is wanting you to be pretty much as sideways as you can but still staying online and keeping up a really fast pace and so and then the style judge is kind of the one where it, it gets really crazy but they're looking for like you know, how aggressive did you enter? Cause there's a lot of ways, different ways to enter a drift. Um, some are like a much easier, not as risky way. So the style judge is like, did this look risky? Did it, you know, did it look crazy? And then basically at the start of the competition, everyone lays down qualifying runs. They judge on that line angle and style, and then they place you in a bracket and you battle it out. So the lead driver is trying to do a hundred point qualifying run and the chase driver is trying to mimic them and stay as close as possible. And that's where drifting gets really crazy. Cause we're literally like the cars are like touching. Um, and then you switch and then out of that battle. So there's two cars at a time. Yeah. Racing? So you okay. start with qualifying, which is one car at a time. And then in the competition, mm -hmm. it's two cars at a time. And then until you get to like a final winner, basically. Oh my. Wow. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I know I have it's seen fun. it and, and <laughs> right. I know I've seen it and I see it in the car that's behind you there, the red car. Oh, um yeah. Changing <laughs> oh, the oh, steering the angle 
uh, a lot. How does how is that done, and uh, what does that improve? Like as far as like the angle kit, I, I like well, I see that because I mean, again, arms. I don't know anything about that. Um, I know there's a stock steering angle, and and, and everything stops at the steering stop. Um, mm -hmm. What would be the reason you would want to increase that, and how do you do that? So essentially you like the main thing you do is you modify the knuckle. So you're modifying like um, the pickup point for the tie rod um, as well as extending the lower control arm. So if you've seen like drift cars or even cars, street cars that are kind of like mimicking a drift car, they'll have mm -hmm. a bunch of camber in the front end, mm -hmm. right. which I'm sure you guys know, but for listeners, that's like when the wheels are tilted, sure. um, like the tops fall in. Right. Um, so that is actually purposeful. Um, cause if you think about it in a drift, you, you want a flat contact patch. And so when the tires are turned, um, adding camber allows it to where the lead tire has a flat contact patch. Yeah. It'll um, stand up in a turn. Yeah. Right. So it'll stand up. It'll take that negative camber and stand it up to zero. Yeah. So between extending lower control arm, modifying the knuckle, um, and then obviously in that you get rid of like the, the bump stops and you'll remake them um, for the steering. And then as well as extending the tie rods, we do that too. Uh, but between kind of all that, that'll allow us to get up to like 70 degrees of steering angle, wow. um, which stock cars in like the twenties uh, or even like low thirties, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need that though. That's super extreme. Just for if there's any listeners out there that want to get into drifting, like you can definitely just, um, there's minimal mods you can do to get into it. I'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> yeah, we go pretty crazy. It's like a whole new suspension kit for the front and rear. Uh -huh. And it, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it looks pretty neat and, and it, uh, it's something obviously you learn how to control or where to put your car and it's, uh, you become, the car becomes an extension of you. And yeah, you, that's, you, you don't see a turn as a turn. You see it as how, what line you're going to take. And that's, what's crazy. Like, so one of my favorite things about drifting is going to like shows and exhibitions and giving ride alongs because it's, it's not like, yes, riding along on track and like a, you know, a race car would be cool, but people can kind of imagine that I feel like, but drifting, they can't really imagine it unless they've been in the car. It's, it's hard to imagine. They can see it and they're like, I want to go. And it's like a roller coaster ride. So that's one of my favorite things. And you get a lot of comments where people are like, how, how can that, how can you like, you know, control it? It seems so out of control, but what you, you start to realize as you ride along, like it, we are in control of the car. It just looks so out of control. And that's, I think what's exciting about it. What kind of cars do you run? And what do you drive? So me personally, um, I, I kind of, I was always in love with Nissan Skylines, um, but I like, re, like really fell in love with those for drifting. So um, my competition car here in the U.S. is a Nissan Skyline R34. Um, it's like the, the Fast and Furious car, basically Paul Walker's. Um, and then we're building a Nissan Skyline R32 uh, for next year's plans. And then I have an R34 sedan as well that I want to build. That's like <laughs> wow. sitting ready to go. So <laughs> typical car guy having yeah. one more project. In yeah, yeah. Lots, <laughs> lots of projects in the pipe. Yeah. What, what do you got? So typical. What, what <laughs> yeah. kind of uh, engine you got powering those things? 
So the R34 is actually um, American V8. So it's a 425 cubic inch LS uh, with the four liter Whipple supercharger on it. Um, so it's capable of like 1200, 1300. We have it on race gas as well. And it's around, it's like, like 960 at the wheels. Um, and then the R32 that we're building, that's actually, we're going, keeping like the JDM route. So that'll have uh, basically like the old GTR motor. It's called a RB26. Uh, so it's an inline six with a turbo. And that one's actually built for like 1500 horsepower. Holy wow. cow. And the turbo is capable of 1200. But that is like, there is definitely like a power limit with the tires that were allowed mm -hmm. for drifting. And it, it seems like the sweet spot a lot of times is that like nine to like 1050 wheel for like peak pro competition. So that car, it'll be right around, you know, that same power range but it's like overbuilt so it'll stay stay safe other than power um is there a way that you change the car to make it drifting specific yeah absolutely so the the angle kit like we talked about that's right. probably the thing that is truly unique to drift cars you wouldn't really use that or need it for any other any other sport or anything like that um but Kind of a so a lot of people look at drifting and they do immediately think, um, you know, sliding around the snow or something like that. But what people don't realize until you kind of see it in person or sit in a car, um, or if you have a racing background, it, it's clear to see. But we we have a lot of grip in the rear of the cars. They're set up uh, more similar to a drag car than anything else in the rear. And so what we're basically doing is gripping up the rear as much as possible. And then overcoming it with power and kind of finding that sweet spot where we can stay in a drift. Um, but we're like accelerating in that drift and going as fast as possible, you know? So we actually find that limit to where it's like, wow, it's like undriftable. Like we'll initiate and like, we can't stay in a slide. So then we'll back off traction like a little bit. And you okay. know what I mean? So and you have that fine line between being able to be like almost out of control and then being too sticky. You, you find that line. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And that's because that is go ahead. power numbers. Some people are like, I, why would you need that much? And then you kind of explain it. And you're like, oh, okay. Cause you know, we're, we're drifting at like 80 miles per hour and initiating far past a hundred a lot of times. So oh. hmm. it's fast. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that that's yeah. I did not realize that it was that speeds. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize you come into a corner and you're that hot. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you watch like, just go watch like formula drift. I mean, they're, and they're drifting on NASCAR banks. You know, like they're literally, you're initiating on a bank and you're riding that wall, like mm -hmm. all the way around with someone right next to you. Like, wow. It's not. <laughs> yeah. That is well, crazy. If you're an adrenaline junkie, this is the sport for you, huh? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can't, like, I came from, uh, like snowboarding and wakeboarding and skateboarding background, like all the action sports. Uh -huh. Um, drifting is just, I don't know. It took over for me. Right. <laughs> That's I cool. know you, I know you said you, uh, kind of got your spark in drifting, uh, from the, uh, Tokyo drift fast and furious movie. Um, do you have any previous experience other than that deeper in your, or earlier in your life that you remember that you said, Hey, that's a car. And I think that's cool. And why, why would you want to like that? Did you like cars before Tokyo drift? <laughs> Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. I, yeah. I mean, like I like cars since I was born, basically. Um, my dad, I kind of describe, and this is, 
to me when i say it it sounds like it's like a diss or something but it's not i just he's like a, i would say he's like an average car guy like he you know i don't think he's ever done like an engine swap um but he'll you know he'll do some stuff in his garage and then have shops help him with some stuff and he's always had a cool car too and um he's had hot rods and stuff like that so he's not racing he did, he's never he never puts his own cars in car shows but he'll go to like some of the big ones so that's kind of how i describe him he's always been like that and so from when the day i was born like we don't you know i tend to think that most stuff is environmental like i don't think you're really born with too much like why would we instinctually like cars you know <laughs> Like yes. it hasn't been around for like 30, 40,000 years, you know, but right. I liked cars from so early on. It's, we're not sure. Right. And so, but the one thing I will say is my dad says that he had me in a stroller as a baby, like rolling around car shows. So I was around these cars from super early on. Yeah. Just kind of born into it then. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, he wasn't racing or drifting, none of that. So I just kind of took that, uh, that hobby and addiction to a whole new level <laughs> right. know, or into an addiction. Where, where do you race at? Uh, so we're based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Our, our home track is Muscleman Honda circuit in Tucson. So <clears throat> that's where we'll, we'll, we do a lot of how to drift videos and stuff on our YouTube channel. So as well as other stuff, but that's where you'll see a lot of content from there is that, is that track. Um, this last year, obviously with like COVID has been, pretty crazy with not really having too many events and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, but generally we'll be traveling like kind of all around the United States. Um, when we did formula drift in the U S that was in, we were in pro two. And so that was like what Florida, Atlanta, St. Louis, um, and Texas. Um, so kind of all over, but what's really cool is next year, we're doing Formula Drift Japan. So they have a Japan series, which is, um, for those who don't know, I mean, drifting is notorious for basically starting in Japan. There's some that argue that, but <laughs> that is really where it gained its popularity um, mm -hmm. in like the Togue, the mountains of Japan. Um, and so Formula Drift has a professional series there as well. So we're going to do that next year, um, which I'm super stoked. There's six rounds all throughout Japan. Yeah. So Next year, we'll be super active. This year, we're pretty focused on building the YouTube channel um, and then building a car. I wasn't planning on, like I have that R34 like I was talking about. I wasn't planning on building another car, but I can't bring the R34 over there. So we got to build the R32. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like you're getting around. Is Other than in Japan, are there any places around the world that you have uh, drifted in? Or, or is, or is there any places available in, in, in the world? I mean, drifting is big, like everywhere. There's, there's big series in Australia, New Zealand, uh, China, like all over the Middle East, England, all over like Ireland. I mean, it's, it's really like blown up. Norway has a big series. Wow. Um, so yeah, all over for me personally, I've only ever drifted in the United States and Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, that, that's like on my list as we kind of grow the YouTube channel and stuff. I'd like to start going to these places. And, you know, the, the, the problem is it's not like it's a little trickier because it's not like snowboarding or skateboarding. I'll just use that as an example again. You know, you could pack your board with you and like head to this place, but like you can't pack your car, you know. So um, you either have to ship your car, which is pretty outrageous right. that's an expensive 
time consuming or, or find one. And that's like just one last thing on that with drifting, because it is, uh, it's like you, a lot of you are probably aware you can go to a track and rent a car to race around for the day and you can mm -hmm. have an instructor with you. That's not so much of a thing with drifting. It's, it's, people are playing with it and like, there's a couple guys that do it, but it's not so widespread like that. Um, because it is so harsh on the cars. And if you put someone who's new to drifting in a car, there's a super high chance that they're going to crash it, or at least like knock bumpers off or ruin the clutch. Um, cause you can't really like, it's not like racing where they can say, all right, just go like half speed, you know, and it's like safer that it's, it's, you're kind of drifting or not. So, right, 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 right. Yeah. I know you talked about having, uh, uh, new people crashing or, you know, messing the car up and things. We love breakdown stories and things. Have you had any, uh, thrash to get your car back together if you've crashed it, uh, at, at, a, at, at an event? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I've like, I, I feel like if you haven't crashed or at least like bang stuff up, then you're really not pushing yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, if you're just crashing every race, then that's, that's a different problem. Right. But, <laughs> um, it, like my last one really kind of sucked. Um, it was with my R34. We were out for Holly LS fest. And so that, I don't necessarily want to like dive into this, but I, I do a lot with like uh, some, some big mental health issues and I was dealing with them really hardcore mm -hmm. that day um, when we were supposed to be, you know, kind of doing this exhibition with other drifters out there. And when we got on the line, they like, okay, so I have a rule of thumb and, and I've, I've never broken it until now. And I don't know why I did. And I think it was cause I was just kind of messed up in the head that day, but I always say with drifting, when you're at a new track or even sometimes a track that you haven't been to for a while, you should always like road race it one lap before you drift it. Mm -hmm. So kind of see how everything is, check out the traction, you know, hit the brakes hard, accelerate hard, but don't drift. Um, and I didn't do that. I, I broke that. And I think, like I said, it was just cause I was really just dealing with a lot of stuff and in my head. And so I just went out and drifted it and I ended up completely like off course. The course wasn't laid out very well. Like the cone, you couldn't see the cones. And I ended up like just going too wide on one part and like smashing the back corner in. And it sucked because um, it broke an axle and I had everything else to fix it. And actually like my crew chief, Jameson, he had the car back together in literally like 30 minutes. Wow. But because we didn't have a spare axle, um, our weekend was over. Mm. And so all the way up to Vegas, well, which isn't that far, but still it's like five hours for us all the way up there for basically one lap. And then the weekend was over and because <laughs> I broke my own rule. So right now it's even more of a rule. It's like, no matter what, I'll say, but that you, one lap. but you yeah. learned something from that experience and that's what it, that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, that's totally, yeah. It sucks though. Cause I already had that, you know, that rule in my mind and then yeah. I broke it. But that's part of that's part of pushing the envelope, like you was talking about earlier. Though sometimes you got to push things, right, and see and kind of teach yourself. No, no, get back over here where you where where yeah. you know you, you should be. You know where the line right. is yeah. with you personally. Yeah. Say what? I say you know where the line is with you personally. Oh, yeah. You know you yeah. you run the track and figure it all out, and and yeah. uh, that, that's good. That helps. That's yeah. good. Learn learn from your mistakes. That's that's the way life well, is. Funny. So after that, they they like 
put up bigger cones and did all this stuff. And then they did a, and then they did a, um, like a parade lap is what they call it mm -hmm. with all the cars to like drive through it. And I was like, really? Like after I crashed and they do it. <laughs> well, maybe you taught them something too then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but no, it happens. And it, it definitely, it depends that one, like in the past, the other crashes, I mean, they always suck, but I wasn't so torn up about it, but that one I was, cause I knew I had, you know, broken my own rule that a rule that I'd already known. It's not like I learned a lesson. I, I, I did somewhat learn a lesson, but it's like, right. I already, I already knew that. I yeah. already like <laughs> had something in place for that. So yeah, that, that one, that one was a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got you. <laughs> so I know you've got drift cars and things. What, uh, what car did you take your street driving test in? Oh, <laughs> the heck did I take? I should know that, huh? I can't remember. That one always throws everybody yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> that throws everybody. We ask all of our guests that question. Really? And sometimes, yeah. Oh, yeah, we ask every one of our guests, and, and sometimes it's some outlandish thing, and sometimes people can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember. Some, I'm like... Yeah, and some people will actually, I mean, obviously people older than you, they'll start going back and they'll start reminiscing about their teen years, and it's, yeah. it's a good way to segue into some of that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, on that, like, I think at the time my dad had, um, you guys remember the saline F-150? Yes. Yeah. Thing was sick. So my dad had one of those in red <laughs> and it yeah. was like the, the edition where it was supercharged and lowered and had the body kit and everything. Right. Um, and that was like kind of one of the vehicles I learned to drive in. I think we started out that truck's obviously kind of gnarly. So I think we started out in like my mom's like Mercedes or whatever mm -hmm. and kind of switched between the two. But I don't, I don't think I took the driving test in that truck. I think we were smarter than that. <laughs> and we just, I took my mom's car, but I remember at the time, that's kind of what I was learning in and yeah. drove around some, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but, that's a good question. I like that. Yeah, it does yeah, up. that always seems to throw everybody. So, so you said you built some SEMA cars. What what kind of cars you built? So I had my first vehicle in there. So I went I went to SEMA at like seventeen years old. I was like, I don't even know how I'd really like heard about it or whatever. Because at that time, I mean, that was, um, well, like two thousand ten. I think I'm doing the math right. Uh, it it. I feel like SEMA's changed a lot in the last five, six years. It's gotten like really open to like spectators and like non-industry people. But at least at that point in like 2010, it was pretty locked down. It was hard to get into and hard to get tickets for. And so I'm not exactly sure how I like heard about it or what, but I wanted to go. And so the like wheel shop that we worked with, uh, they were like, here, we'll give you guys our two tickets. We're not going to be there, you know, whatever it was. Friday so you guys can use them for that and so we went and I was just like blown away I thought it was the coolest thing ever <laughs> and also because we kind of like snuck in because they used to actually like check credentials and stuff now it's kind of a joke but <laughs> yeah like back then it was kind of sketch like you're sneaking in with someone else's ticket and um yeah it was me and my dad and I was like I don't know why like 17 year old Matt thought this but I was like I want to have a vehicle in the show <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, the way he is, like, we're, we're best friends, and he'd never tell me, like, he doesn't think I can do it. And so he's like, all right, well, you know, figure it out. And so we ended up uh, building up my Tundra, and we actually got it in the show the next year as a booth vehicle um, 
for like a, a tunnel cover company. Mm-hmm. So that was like a dream come true for me, like 18 years old and had that in there. And it was just such a crazy experience. And after that, I like, I want to do it again. So then I brought like my Genesis coupe, like I think three times. Um, and then I basically got to the point where it's like any car I was building, I would like see if I could get it placed in SEMA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it was just kind of like a, a challenge for me, I guess. Gotcha. But it was really fun. And one year I had uh I had three vehicles in, which I'll say like I'll never do again. That was terrible, like not a fun experience. It was <laughs> it's a cool achievement, I guess, but it was like I don't know, being like a perfectionist, like I mentioned earlier, like I like almost went to the hospital a couple of times because I was just like so tired and worn out and like sick, you know. So I think one vehicle is, is more than enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I had like a, a one JZ swapped uh, Nissan 350Z. Um, and then it's like a one of 20 wide body Lamborghini Murcielago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in the show twice. Um, a lot of JDM stuff, I guess. And then the, the, the truck, my dad, I, I actually built a really cool truck for my dad and, we never got it in the SEMA show. I wish it would have been, but he had a, we did it like hot rod style. So he had like a 32 Ford uh, with a 502 big block in it back in the day. And we worked on that together. Like, yeah, it's such a nice little car. And um, he ended up selling it, but he kind of wanted like a, a daily driver that kind of had that, that same flavor, let's say. And so we got a Chevy Silverado um, and we did like an all, all leather, red leather interior, and it was black on the outside. And then it was on air suspension on 24 inch wheels. And they were solids, um, like smoothies. And then it had like, they're really cool because we use this like, uh, this wheel called GNL, which is kind of like a, it's like a Lexani or Forgiato or something like that. It's not something you would necessarily think of for like a hot rod. Um, But they had one, it was called the Chameleon where you could interchange the face plates. Oh, wow. And it was like, so it was a smooth wheel, but you could put different face plates on it. And the reason I wanted it is because I didn't want the same smoothie as everyone else. Cause this one had like bolt holes all around. Mm-hmm. And so we actually put like spiked chrome spiked bolts, like all around. And so it was like a really unique looking wheel and just mm-hmm. kind of like style. But yeah, that truck was so sick. It also had a Magnuson supercharger on it. And that was like his daily driver. And it's like the, <laughs> 600 horsepower bagged like new Silverado hot rod thing. But I wish we would have put that in SEMA. I definitely think it could have been just, you know, whatever timing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But well, it sounds pretty truck. cool. Yeah. 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 I kind of went off there, that, but I, that truck, like I don't have that much media of it. And like, it's, it never wasn't SEMA and it was just such a cool truck. So I'm like <laughs> one, one of those builds, you know, that yeah. didn't get what it deserved. I think. Yeah. Are you, <laughs> are you interested at all in any, uh, like 70s era jdm stuff yeah absolutely yeah um so like my like dream car at this point is um what would be the exact year but it'd be a it'd be a hakasuka gtr so nissan is essentially like the first gtr i think it would be a like an early 70s let me look up i always forget the year <laughs> But it became kind of my dad's too, because he started seeing, like when I showed him this car, like 1971, mm-hmm. um, when I showed him that car, 
it, it reminded him of like some of the American cars too. Cause they, they took so many like design cues from each other back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, if you start looking at like cars in the seventies from Japan and the U S <clears throat> but that one, he actually has it as like his background of his phone now. Wow. And it's like, <laughs> it's my dream car. It's a car that he, he is a dream car for him. So I'm really hoping someday I'm like, I want to do like one last build for him and build him a Hakusuka GTR. I think that would just be super rad. That'd be cool. Yeah, I've so, seen I've seen a lot of yeah. the uh, '70s era, um, you know, 240Zs and and a lot of stuff like that. And and the little uh, um, it's like a little three box looking square. It looks almost looks like a Volvo uh, Toyota. Um, but that stuff is having it retro old 70s looking with the mirrors real far on the front fenders and and that type of stuff i've seen some of those and they're brutally fast yeah they're cool um as far like they're they're super cool i'd love to have one for like a custom car and stuff there, there have been some that become drift cars but they're 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 tough you know they're they're heavier mm-hmm. and then because everything's so like metal um it it can get really expensive to fix. So I don't know if you were going there with that, but yeah, not a lot of those right. ever become drift cars because they're just so much harder to repair. Yeah. 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 Nowadays from like, let's say <clears throat> I'm not, let's say like late eighties and up, we have like, you know, removable generally like plastic bumpers mm-hmm. and you know, the trunk and like all that stuff is a little bit more separate. And so it's easier to fix stuff. Those older cars we're, uh, they're so cool how they're built, but like way harder to fix. Right. It, so. it would be harder to source parts for, right. you know, for a yeah. 70s era, you know, JDM style car. And, yeah. and, and the fact that especially over there, as technology progressed, man, they just threw everything away and, and they're just not yeah. around. So, you know what happened? Like my understanding, I don't know a ton about it so maybe i shouldn't even say but like the emission standards are like so crazy in japan that you basically have to like keep upgrading these old cars to keep them on the street and so i believe because of that that's why a lot of people just kind of throw them away and stop driving them because it it gets like outrageously expensive to get them to you know this old car to the emission standards of like today yeah um and so it's not like the U.S. is changing, as we all know, but in the right. past, um, you were able to drive, you know, these old cars around and not have to, like, redo them all the time. So, right, right. And, yeah, and I, could, I, could I could see, see where that would be a, a could, detriment. Yeah, big cost. Oh, geez, <laughs> you know, yeah. Not, not yeah. you know, not yeah. cost effective. And that leads, it, it, ones that have been licensed more, they're, like, way more expensive because of that because it's known that they were you know, driven in more recent years on the street and stuff like that. Is it, is it getting easier to get cars from Japan and any, you know, Asian market cars over to the U S Has the U S loosened up their, uh, their, their laws for importing what I would consider a gray market car. Yeah. I don't think that they've really loosened up, but they, everyone's learned what the laws are. I don't think they've really changed too much to, to my understanding, but as like we dipped into like it's 25 years right so right. basically when 2015 came around that's when it really started getting hot because you started getting into all these iconic like 90s japanese cars that were used for drifting and tuning and stuff like that and so i think as 2015 came around um 
a lot of people started just learning what the laws are. And now there's like so many import companies and it's, it's pretty easy. As long as a car is 25 years old, like okay. there's somebody that can help you get it legally and, and get it licensed for the street. So, yeah, I've been, I've been seeing a lot of cars coming from Mexico that weren't available in the United States, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. are coming up. I mean, I, I saw the other day, a, uh, a Tahoe that was a CK and it had clear rear side glass on it. I'd never That's seen crazy. one of those in my life. And it, and you could see right through it. It was yeah. completely clear. And I had no idea what it was. I looked at the comments and they said, that's Mexico only. Because all wow. the U.S. had privacy tent, uh, rear cargo doors, uh, and side glass. And this is clear all the yeah, time. See, all I, was, the way I was speaking Japan only, but there's all these other weird cars and mm-hmm. stuff that as yes. they hit the 25-year rule, that they can all come in too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's Mexico, Brazil. Man. Yeah, Mexico, there's Brazil. A, there's a lot of, lot of other countries that's got... Yeah. really cool cars that we just don't Australia too, real like access cool, to. like yes yeah Holden brand and like mm-hmm. that stuff is a lot of weird kind of I shouldn't say weird but just cool different just stuff d- that we never weird did. weird different, oddball, different different for us out yeah. of the norm sure. I mean because you certainly yeah. can't get uh an 80s era four-door suburban looking ram charger <laughs> in the United States <laughs> you can't get that yeah. but down in Mexico mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they're giving them away a dime a dozen but they're, but they're starting to come up to the United States. I saw a picture yeah. one the other day. It looked like an '80s era suburban, but it was a D100. Mm-hmm. It was a Dodge four door yeah. suburban with a permanent shell on the back of it, and I had to like wipe my eyes and look at what I was looking at again. Yeah, it was crazy. In the day of Photoshop, it's hard to tell sometimes it, it whether is, something's sometimes real or it not. Is. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it you can't. Is that one of the reasons you can't take the R34? Is that because of the engine swap over there? Um, it's, I, I just want it's a gray market vehicle. So I use it for racing purpose only, but I, I can't move it around. Understood. Like, inside, outside of the U S. Yeah. So okay. No, I get it. Uh, I get it a hundred percent. Here's a race car. No, I know. <laughs> there's, there's, there's race cars and, uh, something can't be licensed as a street car. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good. So yeah, it sucks. Cause, um, Man, I put like so much freaking money and time into that car and it's just perfect. That was going to be my competition vehicle. I mean, there's no reason right now that I should have two, but um, I guess in the grand scheme of things, um, it is kind of cool because we'll still have that car here in the United States for demos. I don't think we're not going to try to do two competition series next year, but, you know, eventually maybe. And then we already have two cars built for it. So, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It would have been way less of a headache and not like put me in such a bad financial spot if we could just ship the 34 over there and be right. done with it. But So speaking of that, what is in the future for Matt Haugen and Haugen Racing? So next year we're competing in Formula Drift Japan. Um, so that is Formula Drift's kind of premier drifting competition or championship in Japan. So there's six rounds. I'm super stoked for that. As I mentioned, we're building the R32. We got to ship that out um, in this December 1st of this year. Um, just in case there is any <clears throat> holdups or lag, we'll definitely have it, you know, in Japan by like February 1st. And then this, the competition starts May of next year. So that'll give us time to kind of go practice around there and, um, you know, kind of get everything ready to go on that side. Um, as well as like the YouTube channel, that's like our biggest thing right now. So we upload five YouTube videos a week. Um, 
we're like so close. I'm like, I have this little counter. I'm watching it about to hit 70,000 subs. So we're like, we're getting there. We're making progress. Um, I like for future wise, I want to keep building that. I want to compete in Formula Drift Japan. Um, and then I'd really like to, I used to travel a lot, not for car stuff. Um, I'd really like to get back to traveling, but also go and do some cool car stuff kind of around the world. Like we were talking about, like there's a, cause I do, I do a lot of reaction videos on the YouTube channel. And so we look at these like different forms of car control and like drifting and stuff like that. And there's these really cool different sports, um, like one is called car spinning in South Africa. And then there's um, Tafit or Hajwala, which is in the Middle East. And like, we don't have anything that like, it doesn't really exist. Those sports don't exist anywhere else in the world. Um, and they're kind of a form of drifting. And so I would really love to like go out there, see that in person, maybe try it for myself. So, yeah. And I'd like to get back to building show cars and custom cars too. I haven't like, I've kind of had to ditch that um for the drifting thing but mm -hmm. i miss that too i really have you tried skiing a car yet that's up on two wheels riding up on two wheels oh, called no. skiing i needed i need to try that yeah that's like <laughs> the middle east is really known for that, as that well. and then that got me thinking about that when you said yeah. the middle east because we we watch the videos and we've seen the people that are rolling along they're doing i don't know 10 20 miles an hour whatever it takes to keep it up and yeah. they'll take and swap the right front or the left front wheel for the left rear wheel and they'll go do it again and they'll put them all together and go back down and keep driving. And, and it's, it's it crazy is stuff. absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've seen I somebody it. make breakfast. For it. That's cool. I uh, yes. It, well, that's a stunt man term and you can look that up oh. because that's, that's for real. That's a stunt man term. And that is, uh, you know, when they take the general Lee, put it up on two wheels, the bandit, uh, Trans Am put it up on two wheels. If you were to look up that term for, for stunts with, uh, you know, cars and movies, skiing. Huh. It's spelled the exact same way as skiing. The thing. I don't have a car that I want to tip over. Like, right. I need, <laughs> I need to get a car that I don't mind about tipping over to learn it with. Cause right. I'm like, I, it would suck to tip over anybody. <laughs> I'm just, I'm fascinated with the, See, you know, now the, he needs one more car. Right. Now he needs get one. On, get on racingjunk.com. Yes, find on, yourself a car. Yeah. Find yourself a car <laughs> on racingjunk.com. But, um, I am just enamored by what you do. And I'm also, I love the, you know, 70s, 80s era. And that's what I grew up with. Uh, the Joey Chitwood thrill driving. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos. You have to, have you have to write that down, man. Look up okay. Joey Chitwood. It's J-O-E-Y. Uh, it's J-O-I-E, I think I it is. I don't know. Uh, but Joey Chitwood. And they took absolute brand new cars for Ford, for Chevrolet, uh, and, and they, and they would take them to arenas and there would be like a demolition derby and, and racing and all sorts of stuff. And then they'd drive around and they'd put a stunt man on the hood and drive through a, a wall of fire or they oh jump these cars. And in 1970, they're taking absolutely brand new 70 Mustangs and Mavericks and stuff. And they're putting them on two wheels and they're jumping them. And it's amazing. The skill of the driving is amazing. So you have to look up Joey Chitwood or anything thrill drivers on YouTube. You'll you'll get hooked. <laughs> you, you'll get hooked. It's crazy. I'll man. have to. I'll have to react. I should do a reaction video. Oh, you there have you to. go. Yeah, you have to. And if you do a reaction video, make sure you said you were talking to the guys at Get Out and Drive podcast, and they they told you to watch this <laughs> thing, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to turn you on to another, another crazy thing. That's the thing. Like, um, we, it started with just like reacting to drifting. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we kind of did like Hajwi or Tafi. I like combined them. Yeah. Hajwi, um, Tafi and then car spinning. And then we did like Jim Connor. Um, and so I, it would be fun to kind of just look at like stunt driving as a whole and right. like other types of, of driving. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's, there's a lot of really good seventies era stunt coordinators and, you know, things like that. And, and people that did, uh, you know, cannonball run, there's one stunt coordinator that did cannonball run, uh, and did, uh, smoking the bandit and, and all that you see is all one stunt coordinator that's done that work. Uh, the TV show, uh, the fall guy with Lee majors in the, in the eighties, that's all about a stunt man. And it's, and it's amazing. And it's, and it's all about one guy that did stunts for all these movies and one stunt coordinator. Um, and, uh, it's, it's something to dive into, man. And, and, and look that stuff up on YouTube and put it in your brain. It's, it's cool information and, uh, how oh, well. the cars react and stuff may help you to what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing you can learn I mean, stunt drivers are, they have incredible car control, obviously. And, and right. nowadays, um, they're expected. I mean, actually a lot of the big stunt drivers were like championship drifters. Um, mm -hmm. so like Samuel Hubinet, um, and Tanner Faust, they both won formula drift championships and they're both like two of the biggest stunt drivers in like Hollywood. So, you know, nowadays the, the successful and big stunt drivers are extremely talented, but not just in drifting. Right. Right. Know? Exactly. And, and, and it's learning how to control your car, whether you're doing some sort of stunt with the car, um, or you're drifting with it, um, and, and doing all that type of stuff. And it, it, it's being able to control your car and knowing where your points are and knowing where your car's at at all times. Always we're looking towards the future. Are you doing anything to get others that are your age or younger into drifting or into the car scene at all yeah absolutely i mean that was never um i didn't really realize i was doing it until people told me i was mm -hmm. and i think that was kind of what was cool about it i didn't it wasn't like a mission or i wasn't like i wasn't really stating that i was um but we started making these how to drift videos mm -hmm. And they really like took off. They're some of our most popular videos and we get comments and I get messages all the time that like they really helped um, these guys and kids that are like getting into drifting. And so we continued to do them. And like now we have a playlist of like, I want to say like 60 videos in there and we cover like <clears throat> so much stuff and break so much stuff down. And it's really helped a lot of people and has made me feel really good and i think we've kind of helped spread the sport through that and then i recently started getting into um sim drifting so like you know on like a like a simulator that that i built and we've been doing drift videos on there and that's kind of helped people and as well as like it's it's encouraged a lot of people to get into sim drifting because they've realized wow like you know you can get into drifting pretty cheap like you really can if you're smart about it and do your research but it's still not going to be cheaper than, you know, in a video game. Mm -hmm. And with the way like sim drifting is now, like you, you get pretty close to the real life experience. Um, and maybe at a similar cost initially, but then there's no costs going on and there's no fear of crashing cars. You don't need a, <laughs> right. you know, a garage and stuff. So, 
Um, I've been getting a lot of messages lately that people are like, oh yeah, I just got my steering wheel and got the video game after I watched your video. So that's been really cool. It made me feel pretty good. Um, my, our biggest thing with Talgan Racing is like, I, I love, I like my biggest goal in life is, is to be happy. It, it used to be to like make a bunch of money or do this or that, but truly now it is just to be happy. Um, and that's something like I struggle with constantly, like trying to figure that out. And so with that, on a positive note with Haugen racing, when I can make people happy, entertain them and, you know, put a smile on their face, like that's, that's good enough for me. I love it. You know, <laughs> well, that's, that's fantastic. Great, yeah. Well, uh, make sure yeah. that, uh, you talk to our listeners, uh, and tell them where to find you. Yeah. So, uh, Haugen that has like kind of all our stuff on there. So I'll be, I'll have this podcast on there in like the press section we got like all our merchandise links to all our social media and website. Um, if you watch YouTube videos at all, um, or maybe like your kid does or something like that, uh, just search Haugen Racing, H-A-U-G-E-N on YouTube and you'll find us. And I would appreciate you guys checking out our videos. I'm not going to ask you to subscribe because um, I want to win you over. So I asked you to watch a video and if you feel like you want to subscribe after that, then we'd, we'd love that. So well, that is fantastic. Very good. And thanks for spending some time with us. And uh, I, I learned some things. Yeah, educate us about drifting. Yeah, I learned a lot of stuff. So yeah. maybe you uh, can spark some other people listening to our podcast to get into drifting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Great, man. Thanks a bunch. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This is fun. You guys are cool. It was really fun talking. I'm sure some people out there love to hear us talk. We would love to hear other people talk to us. There's a good way. Our listeners can find it on our website. If you go to getoutanddrive.com, scroll to the bottom, you can find the clickable link to our listener hotline button, and you get to talk to us. So people can leave us messages. Right. Praise. Yes. Hate mail. Accolades. 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 It's called accolades. Accolades. Gotcha. Yes. Anybody out there that wants to talk to us? Yeah, maybe we'll play it on our podcast. Yeah. If you have questions, we can answer questions. Yes, exactly. Have suggestions. Yes, suggestions. Talk about life. We want to hear from you. What do you think about street legal stock cars? Be sure to follow our friends at RacingJunk.com. Use the promo code GETOUT to receive 50% off your Pro Club membership. Make sure you check out our website, getoutanddrive.com, for everything you never wanted to know about our podcast. You can learn more about us, you can buy merchandise, and just check out all the fun stuff on our website. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Like, share, give us your comments. Tag us on Twitter at Get Out and Drive Pod. What drives you?